I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Shut the barn door. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. And I'm your TV guy, Brett White. And I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This week, I am joined once again by Ethan Kay. Hello, Ethan. Hello, hello. What's going on? Oh, we just saw an amazing episode of Mr. Ed. <laughs> just get ready. Uh, very politically relevant. I would, I, there's, there's some good undertones there. <laughs> it, it's it's a Mr. Ed about class warfare, and you gotta love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because this week, we are going to be traveling to April 1st, 1962, Sweet Bird of Youth rolled the box office. Johnny Angel by Shelley Faberis topped the charts. You can tell this is so far back because I don't know what any of those things are. You Shelley Fabrice? Well, it's F-A-B-A-R-E-S. Fabrice. And CBS aired the Mr. Ed episode, Ed the Beachcomber. Ethan, you must have seen Ed the Beachcomber before today. I have seen Mr. Ed, but I have not seen Mr. Ed uh, the Beachcomber. (laughs) You haven't. What is your history with uh, the, the famous horse? Uh, like many others, probably everybody, Nick at Night reruns back in the 1980s. Uh, we, I was really excited to get Nick at Night because everybody else had cable and we didn't have cable. But for some reason, if you turned on our VCR, and this was back in the day when you, you had to like, each button on the VCR was a specific number. So 1 through 13 oh, wow. was what you could tape. And for some reason, Channel 13, even though we didn't get it on the TV, it was Nickelodeon. It was the perfect situation. So we pirated Nickelodeon through our VCR, and I saw several episodes of Mr. Ed. Yeah, I watched Mr. Ed, you know, again, like, Nick at Night as a child. I mean, this is a children's show. (laughs) This is... Yeah. I mean, it's not, but it is, because it's a talking horse. What What blew my mind about this episode was... Mr. Ed himself was the least interesting part of the episode. (laughs) Like, is the talking horse, yeah, whatever, we got it. You saw the last week's episode, there's a talking horse. But the rest of the thing are just about, it's really just about class warfare. It's about the haves versus the have-nots. Youth culture versus the establishment. That was intriguing, and I enjoyed it. And then they had this, like... It's like you're listening to a great song and suddenly there's like a drum solo and you're like, okay, oh, just just get it over. Yeah. So the origin of Mr. Ed as a show is fascinating yeah. because it comes, okay, like Arthur Lubin, who was the director of this episode, we'll get to that in a bit, but he made a whole bunch of talking mule movies. Yeah, Francis the Talking Mule. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I want to do that as a TV show, but the rights were all tied up. And so there was like a series of talking horse books or storybooks yep. or something. And he was like, short, cool. Short stories. Yeah. I'll take those. Weird. <laughs> He's all like, when a talking mule won't do, go for the horse. Ta- Francis the talking mule was a big deal. Really? Back in, back in I'm going to say the 1940s, there was like yeah. Francis in the army. And like, just is a series of these very popular talking mule movies. <laughs> so that was still in the public's consciousness. It's so weird. That's the other thing, like, the, the, the this era of sitcoms is so fascinating because it's just, this is the barest of premise. It's a talking horse. Like, that's <laughs> literally it. Like, boom, but like show. But but show that runs for a hundred of ep- hundred episodes. <laughs> a show that originally started in syndication, I discovered. Yes. And then got bumped up to being 
on CBS? I believe it was because he couldn't... They had a problem selling it. Um, so it was Initially, just like... yeah. So syndication, get it out there, see how it does. People needed that horse. People loved CBS that horse. CBS was like, we are going to... Demand, supply and demand. <laughs> CBS is going to deliver. Oh my god, it's it's insane. Um, this, this week, uh, Must Have Seen TV, we're going to be talking about the Mr. Ed episode. Ed, the Beachcomber is the 23rd episode of season two. Not even close to the end of season two either. And was written by Lou Derman and Bob O'Brien and directed by Arthur Lubin. Here's how Hulu describes the episode. Beatniks invade the Addison's beachfront property. Ethan, how accurate is that description? Yes. Yeah. Accurate. 100%? 10, like, 10 out of 10? Now, I initially was worried that we had started the wrong episode because no, we gotta start about the theme song first because we gotta go oh, in chronological order. We gotta talk, we gotta about, talk the about the theme song because it is again one of the most iconic theme songs. I do feel like it is less iconic nowadays. I feel like when we were growing up in like the eighties and nineties, you would get Mr. Ed references all the time on like cartoons or other sitcoms, like. Uh, horse is a horse, of course. Like, people would just sing that all the time? I know that they, they, uh, if you watch the movie uh, Cannibal the Musical, uh, Mm. which is the Trey Parker, Matt Stone film they did in college, they use that joke at least twice. (laughs) Um, because it's, they're talking about a horse. What else? Hello. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. Starts with that. It just goes into it. What I learned about that was... That was written by, um, it was Ray Evans and Jay Livingston, I want to say. I could be wrong. Um, but they were a classic, uh, film score Ah. duo. They did the score, they did, uh, if you know the song Mona Lisa, the Nat King Cole made real big. Oh, man. Um. (laughs) And then this? Yeah. uh, (laughs) But they did, like, a whole bunch of really good songs. Um, Que Sera, Sera. Oh, Wow. Um, like really popular things that you that you still can hear in nowadays, and this was just oh, they did the theme to, to Bonanza as well. Yeah. So they did, they did this, and from what I read, that Jay did like a scratch track of the opening and pr- presented it with the idea that someone else more qualified is going to be singing this. And, and, and they're just like, no, this works. Just go with it. Yeah. So what you're hearing is like the writer doing it. <laughs> Because it is a very, like, it's not an impressive vocal track. It's not like the theme of Step no. by Step where they're just, like, tearing into it. It's very, like, a horse is a horse, of course, of course. Like, it has a little bit of a Bing Crosby kind of, like, twist to it. Yeah. But it's uh, it's very nice. And also, I I, I just double-checked. He uh, Jay Livingston did two of my favorite songs from Bob Hope films. Oh. Buttons and Bows from The Pale Face with Jane Russell, which is a... Uh, Problematic film, but it's a little fun little romp. And also did uh, Silver Bells from uh, The Lemon Drop Kid. Wait, the Christmas Carol Silver Bells? Yes. Well, then I love it. That's from an incredible Bob Hope movie that makes very little sense. Is it a Christmas movie? It's a Christmas movie about a gangster uh, that that owes money and creates a fake old folks home to raise money (laughs) and uh, that's a horrible get rich oh oh boy but it's also a casino there's like so much going on in this it's a digression but they did uh this the big song from that was silver bells i love it for alive silver bells love it um so the weird thing about the theme song is that in the 80s ohio pastor jim brown accused the theme of having satanic messages if played backwards Including including the phrases, someone sung this song for Satan, and the source is Satan. I suppose that someone would be Jay Livingston, because he, <laughs> he sung the song for Satan. So, like, that just shows how, I don't know, lame evangelical shit can be. <laughs> that you're yeah. like, we've there's Satan's in mystery. Like, you guys are paranoid. You like, saw, calm down. <laughs> you saw this stuff on TV, like... You, it, was, it wasn't just, like, weird corners of the internet that you'd see this It was, this like, kind of, on Sunday morning, like... He was probably, like, a Sunday morning preacher kind of guy. You'd see these things, they'd... Uh, 700, um, cl- your, you know... Yeah, Your like late-night family channel. Early afternoon on weekends, kind of that weird time. Yeah, like... But where Dungeons & Dragons and the Mr. Ed theme. Yeah. You what in the, the world? You got to... 
all the back masking. It's fun to smoke marijuana for if you play uh, Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. Oh. Back. Oh, then what's, um, oh, there's another one that I used to know. Off the Led Zeppelin. Might be that. Stairway to Heaven was the big one. Here's uh, to My Sweet Satan. That was oh, the, okay. the big one. But it's not true, is it? If you play it backwards, I mean, it, like it's garbled, but you know, well, it's one of those things where like you can you can hear anything you want to hear out of anything, Pretty like much. the power of suggestion, like you're like like when you if you just watch TV and play music at the same time, eventually your brain will start putting together all these connections, like oh they just jumped at the same time as that drum, like it your brain yeah. looks for those patterns, uh, and so if you rewind the Mr. <laughs> Ed theme, we're like well I'm just gonna. You know, maybe I'm going to listen and see if there's anything Satan-y in this. Okay, yeah, that's pretty Satan-y. Cool. Sunday's message done. Yeah, <laughs> this was someone who had the time to look to go through several, probably several records. This was not the first thing he looked at. Well, I mean, like, this is also the 80s. It wasn't. You couldn't just... I mean, like, right now, I would just capture the audio on Hulu and then put it into GarageBand reverse. Like, it'd be pretty simple. I don't know, how would you do that, like, back then? You'd have to, like, get a reel-to-reel? You could get a reel-to-reel. You, you that's could, a lot of work. You could play the... You could spin the record backwards. Yeah, that's uh, easier. That's, okay, that's so yeah, they could do that easier. Um, but then they imagine... But also, that just naturally sounds satanic, period. <laughs> Speaking backwards just sounds satanic, yeah. period. So you could argue that all audio is satanic because if you play <laughs> literally anything backwards, it sounds like speaking in tongues. Because like, everything back then was... Satan is coming to get you. Give money because yeah. I am fighting this. I love that this is how our <laughs> Mr. Ed talk talks. But again, you go to that Wikipedia page and it's kind of loaded with a whole bunch of just insanity. We're going down the rabbit hole with <laughs> like, this Mr. Ed. Like, the fact that there's a whole Satanism section on the Mr. Ed page is just like, the 80s were great people. The 80s yeah. were a fucking time. Um, so anyway, I thought this was going to be... I worry that this, this was a different episode because the first act, the first like little chunk of it before the first commercial break is uh, Mr. Ed, played by Bamboo Harvester. Yeah. That's a name. Bamboo Harvester. They had the same horse, I believe, for the entire show. Yep. Bamboo Harvester. Uh, Which, that's a crazy... As far as horse names go, Bamboo Harvester is a crazy name. Also. (laughs) I think. That's a a weird name. Um, So Mr. Ed is depressed. Because Mr. Ed is red. <laughs> Mr. Ed's read an op-ed in the local paper or is it a national paper? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't... Think about this. You have a talking horse. Like, holy shit, talking horse. You have a horse that can also read it's English. A, yeah, that's a reading <laughs> a reading and talking horse. Reading and comprehension. <laughs> they're, they're kids who can't do that. No. They're so, adults who can't do that. Mr. Ed... Read an op-ed that was basically arguing that horses are going extinct because cars have replaced them in the city and tractors have replaced them in the country. And someone thought this was important enough to write an editorial about. Yeah, I mean, this is 1962. When did, when was Kennedy assassinated? 63? 63. Okay, so we're still, wait, when was the Cuban Missile Crisis? Was it April? It was uh, probably. Wasn't it late, late 62? I forget. I don't know, April 62 might be a chill time where they're like, we got pages to fill. (laughs) Or or I wonder if like how nowadays millennials are the scapegoat where millennials are killing everything from like Applebee's to Q-tips. I wonder if like in the early 60s, like horses are just... No, it was was technology. That would have been the other thing. It's like technology is ruining everything. Yeah. Mom used to spend 14 hours on laundry. Now she can do it in three. And what now she has time to think and pursue dreams. What? Women doctors? <laughs> no. Not in my decade. You know? So, Mr. Ed, I mean, he's like tearing up his little apartment. Like, he's like, knocks his saddle over. He's getting angry. Yeah. He's, uh, and then Wilbur walks in. Played is, by wonderfully Alan Young. Uh, Hero one of, of the day. One of my major crushes. I think Alan Young is a cutie pie. I agree. <laughs> uh, he's a cute man, a very handsome, sweet man. Also, Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. Which is the thing I did not know when I was a kid, that he was the voice of Scrooge McDuck. I, I separated the two. I didn't um, But listen, like this is the first episode I've watched in like 15 years. So watching it now, I can I can hear Scrooge McDuck in his voice. I can hear it. It's under there. like Because mm-hmm. he's putting on a very thick brogue. What I learned about him was that he, when he was young, when he was a teenager, he had his own radio show mm-hmm. in Canada. Yep. Like, he, he started out as a performer young and continued up until the time he died, uh, age 96. Yeah. 92, 96. And he was, 
uh, he was also good friends with that horse. That's the other yeah. thing. His main co-star is a horse. And I was reading uh, about how they got Mr. Ed to talk, which is all, they said, like, wires. Yeah. And that, like... Early on. Probably yeah, because the season. wires trained him, but then, like, you know, by, like, season two or probably whatever, he, like, uh, Bamboo Harvester had figured out how to just move his lips. And so they could either tickle his hoof and he would just move his lips... Or Alan Young later on said in interviews that eventually the horse became so smart that he knew any time I stopped talking to just move his lips. And so when they were doing scenes, Mr. Ed would just, like, move his lips. Um, and the whole peanut butter thing was a lie that Alan Young said in an interview that yeah. got spread as false, fake, as fake news. Yeah. So that brings me back to this opening. Because <laughs> Mr. Ed is, like, railing. He basically is going off like a Redditor. Like, he's Mr. Ed the Redditor. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Redditor. Yeah, he's Mr. Redditor. Because he's like, I need to call the... Horse becoming extinct. No place for equine in today's world. Hear what he called me? <laughs> equine, that's just another name for horse. Well, I have another name for that editor. Jerk. <laughs> I'm going on a hunger strike. <laughs> yeah. But he's got to eat some hay first because you can't go on a hunger strike on an empty stomach. And then, and then uh, Wilbur gives him a couple pounds of apples because he has to keep his strength up during the hunger strike. Yeah. <laughs> so for being a smart horse that can talk and read a newspaper and understand editorials, doesn't really he doesn't really get the idea of <laughs> but silly it was, horse. It was so weird to see, because, I mean, that's very relevant nowadays. People writing op-eds, people getting angry. Like, if Mr. Ed had a Twitter account, can you imagine... Can you imagine Mr. Mm. Ed just, like, tearing up people's notifications? <laughs> Mr. Ed would be one of those Twitter accounts that has, like, no profile pic, uh, following 40 people, has two followers. Types in all caps. Types in all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would, mis I guess Mr. Ed's followers would be, like, Wilbur and a beatnik. It would have to be, yeah. Well, we don't know if he spoke to the beatniks. No, yeah. No, he he only ever speaks to Mr. Only ever speaks Wilbur to Post. Yeah. Oh. He's so handsome. Um, this is like, yeah, I think he's so cute. I can't help it. Um, uh, not the horse. The I horse like, is fine. Uh, what I'm happy about to, to learn is that Alan Young was in uh, The Time Machine mm. by the George Powell Time Machine. George Powell, uh, to me, I'm really a, a fan because he did Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, which is actually my favorite, uh, yeah. my favorite film. Uh, prob again, problematic as it is. Um <laughs> So he's got that connection, and he, it just means that he was he was just everywhere. Yeah, he was, I mean, he, he was just kind he was of like a working actor. dream and actor, and then he went yeah. to voice acting and was fucking Scrooge McDuck. Up until he was the he only died. the only yeah. Scrooge McDuck. Well, he was the first one, was he? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's a legacy. Uh, so then the their neighbors. See, I'm also like so fuzzy on the facts. Where does Mister Ed take place? Is it in California? They live. They live in a place that is near a beach. Also has a park. Yeah. So probably California. I feel like it would have to be California. Because the the, the Post's neighbors, uh, what is his name? Roger Addison. I gotta talk about the, the, talk the hell out of Roger Addison. Yeah, Roger Addison comes over because he is angry because he's got a bunch of beach beatniks and beachcombers hanging out on his beach property. And his wife is like... Let them stay because society has rejected them. So, like, give them a place and don't be a dick. And Roger comes over to basically be like, Hey, Wilbur, can you go talk some sense into my wife? And Wilbur has a great life. I don't have much luck with Carol, but I do pretty well with other men's wives. <laughs> Which is a funny line. Yeah, it's maybe the only well-written joke of the episode. It's, it works so it's well. It's fine. It's good. He delivers it great. And I, I, I think I, I kind of get it why he invited him to, to speak to his wife. Not not because they had any good rapport. I don't know how previous episodes went that they they had some kind of connection or some kind of relationship. Because when he confronts her, she's still very icy and cold. Yeah. But as I as I discovered, like I I went to, to IMDB immediately after looking at this page. The guy the actor playing Roger is sixty six. Oh god. And the actor the actress playing his wife is 42. Oh, wow. So she's closer in age to Wilbur. Yeah. Whereas her husband, 
is 24 years <laughs> older. And they play them off as being the same age. So. Oh, yeah, because in this episode, they're like, yeah, they were teenagers together. They would yeah. themselves hang out on the beach, so maybe he shouldn't judge these teenagers. Um, so it's that well, William also, Frawley, like, Vivian Vance yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, don't they also put, like, a gray streak in her hair? I mean, it's black and white, so it's hard to tell, but it looks like they were, like, also trying to I play her up as that. being older. I was looking for that, and because they did a couple close-ups, and I was looking at the hair, and I'm like, no, it's just the... She's got yeah. this, like, auburn, blondish kind of hair that, that, look, that Weird. looks that so way. So they go in, and again, like, the geography is, like, they're in... This is at Addison's house that they go into? Yes. Um, so they go in there, and the wives are doing their wifey thing. They're their early 60s wifey thing of Wilbur's wife is standing on the table getting her whenever dresses him because now short skirts are in, uh, and Addison's wife is the one doing the hemming, and she says... The way they keep raising and lowering the skirts these days, we might as well wear Venetian blinds. <laughs> so there's this, it's another weird side tangent of the politics of showing your knees in 1962. <laughs> and Wilbur is very like, well, I don't feel comfortable with you showing your knees. At the beach is one thing, yeah. but out and about, no, that's, you can't do and that. Then like, and then she's like, well, I want to do this because it's like the fashion. And then she asks permission, like, won't you let me? It's it's so weird to see, like, women characters written by men who don't understand that the wife would probably just be like, yeah, I'm doing this. I don't need to ask your permission. A lot of those same lines, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, uh, Kay Addison kept referring to her husband by his last name. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what their names were. Because they kept saying Addison, Addison, Addison. It's Roger Addison and Kay Addison. But Kay kept kept calling him Addison. Yeah. Repeatedly. Which is, well, your wife calls you Kay all the time, right? Never. <laughs> it's not like the military. I don't live, yeah. I don't live I mean, in a military I mean, my husband will call days. me white if uh, he's trying to imitate, like, a law and order, like, desk sergeant or something. Yeah. Like, get in here, white. Like a like, drill sergeant or something. <laughs> yeah. So what a weird little relationship they have. Uh, they are, they do have like this kind of like tenderness to them because they we do sh- see them. Yeah, they do. They, just yeah. the two of them. They're curled up on the couch. They're reminiscing about good times. They're talking about just, their old know, dreams. Yeah. Playing a ukulele for her on the beach. Like it's very sweet. We don't get to see Wilbur with his wife much in this episode at she, all. No, she's not in it. Um, uh, but she's in the opening credits. Her name is yeah. Her name's Connie. Uh, yeah, Connie Hines. Uh, yeah, so Connie she's Hines. like you know second build in this show, and then of course Mr. Ed is playing himself. Bamboo Harvester does not get a name shout out. No, <laughs> no. as animals did not uh, in the old days. Uh, so we, we go back to Mr. Ed, and we, when we pick up Mr. Yeah, Ed, yeah. he is mad at the Ed. He's basically calling the editor. He's calling the newspaper. <laughs> Which is like, again, Mr. Ed being a talking horse, he can find a level of freedom on the phone that he cannot find in real life. True. The phone is his, his, his way to reach out to the world. You know what? Mr. Ed was getting on them party lines in the early 60s. <laughs> the 60s version of an AOL chat room, which is itself a data <laughs> reference now. I'm not wearing any clothes. Yeah, any, like... Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, Mr. Ed's just finding, he's like letting his freak flag fly on the phone. Got my mouth stuffed with hay. <laughs> Anyone up for that? Oh, God. And then, uh, they just brought me to a whole, like, Mr. Ed going to, like, Craigslist Personals closed R.I.P. Because, uh, well, why not? Yeah. This is... there's There should be a modern Mr. Ed where it's, like, internet using horse. <laughs> right, <laughs> where it's like <laughs> Mr. Ed is like is living his life online. Well, how many times have you been chatting with someone online and you just think to yourself, "Is this person really a horse? Is they a horse? Is they a Could horse? This be a horse?" <laughs> <laughs> so he's like trying to call. He's, the editor's name is Smedley. Smedley, yeah. And well, then he says like S. He has like a long like. I said Smedley. S is in Sea Biscuit. M is in Man of War. E is in Equipoise. Oh. Because yeah. they're all famous racing horses. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that Ed is very proud of his horsiness and keeps up with horse culture. <laughs> like race horse culture. He's proud. He's a proud he horse. He's a proud horse. Um, and so while they're doing that, we meet some... So let's talk about these beatnik beachcombers. We meet two of them. Buzz Dixon and Selma Beasley are their names. Yes. The they are... They are... Established as just crashing on this undeveloped beachfront property. Yeah, this is where like Roger has. I went. I honestly went back and forth so many times in my head of like whose side I was on. So let's get into like, are you on Addison's side or are you on? 
Because at first I was like, yeah, man, just like, let them hang out. Like, again, you know, society has rejected, neglected, befuddled, and bemuddled them. Yes. Which is the horribly painful beat poetry that Selma does. Which is repeated by Mr. Ed twice. (laughs) Yes, he can't stop. Um, And also in an Amazon, or in an IMDb review of this episode, which maybe I should pull up and read (laughs) at the end of the episode. Um... So at first I was like, yeah, like let them hang. But then later when we actually see the their 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 hangout, I was like, oh my god, you get them off of your property because they're not just like he goes and tells Wilbur like, well they're you know they're surfing and they're playing music, they're hanging out. When we go and see them later on, they have built structures yeah. on his beach, and they are all like hang out with easels, like they are living there. It is a shanty town on his. It's like, yeah, you have to get them off. That is way too much. When, when you explained the episode to me before we watched it, this was a couple weeks ago, uh, you're like, they're beachcombers on the beach. And I'm just like, oh, cool. Just kids hanging out on the beach. Mr. Egg goes in and hangs out with these beatniks. Yeah. And then it gets to the, when, when we're watching the episode and he says, I want these kids off, off my beach. I'm like thinking, well, you know, this is his property. Yeah. And then when he says he's trying to sell it, I'm like, okay, then you really do need to get these kids <laughs> off the property. And then they show these kids. I'm just like, yeah, get the kids off the property. <laughs> these like, are horrible little. <laughs> just, just do it. These kids are like, I don't, I don't know. Part of me is like, if. Part of me is like, if they were just doing what I do at the beach, which is like, take a towel, I go, and I lay down, and I read. If it was like a group of like five kids doing that on off hours, I could see his wife's point of being like, yeah, like, okay, like, just set up a schedule. Like, it doesn't matter. You're not losing it. Like, when people are coming, make them go. But when you go and you see, like, they are living there. Yeah. They have a full-on... I mean, they they even say, like, we're trying to turn it into an art commune or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus! I don't know if you if you noticed, but later on, they show an entire... They have a stage set up for people to pose yes. and be painted. So someone had to drag... It's a structure! A, a stage down to the beach. What? Even Addison even says, like, okay, cool, you can turn it into an art commune, here is the price. Like, he offers to sell it to them. And they're like, well, no. We don't have money because... <laughs> it's like... Okay, so what is the POV of the uh, writers of this episode? They're anti... Are they, they're making fun of the youth. You have to wonder about that. Or are they my, my My guess is probably, yeah, because I want to say that Beatnik was kind of sitcom TV shorthand. Yeah. For lazy, for poor, yeah, for irresponsible. Beatnik. You get that... And you always got to go back to the, the greatest TV beatnik, Maynard G. Krebs, yeah. from Many Loves Adobe Gillis. A.K.A. Gilligan. A.K.A. Bob Denver, yes. Um, the other Bob Denver. <laughs> There's so many asterisks in this. Um, so that character was created to avoid work, yeah. to play bongos, to... That was this character, lazy. Yeah. Like a jughead, kind yeah. of, almost. Shaggy. And so... I thought that was going to be how it was when we saw the episode. And I ended up watching it and saying saying to myself, these are barely even beatniks. These are just like kids who could easily just be going to a college and taking a minor in art. Yeah, because they, um, so there's another, like, they, Selma, Zelma, presents Addison with a painting uh, as, like, a gift or whatever. And so, like, the wife loves it. And they put it in their room, in their in their uh, living room, in replace of a picture of her, of her mother. And the painting is a good painting. It's I a, liked it. It was a nice yeah. painting. And he is looking at it with so much hatred. Like, so, he's trying to burn it with his eyes. So, as someone who's, who's like, taking art history classes, I took, I've taken a couple of them in, in, in college and high school, that style of art was not avant-garde. No. That style of gar- art was 30, 40 years old. That, quote, modern style. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean it looks kind of Picasso-y in a way. Yeah. Like, it's just nice. It's not bad. It's it's pre definitely pre-war modern art. It's I could see him objecting to it, like, don't take a painting from these people that I'm trying to evict. Yeah. They're squatting on my land. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I don't know what his sensibility was, whether it was that whole don't accept gifts from yeah. from people I don't like, or it was like, I am traditional art people, which at the I time... I want portraits of presidents! Yes. Only! <laughs> so notice that we haven't talked a lot about Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed is inconsequential to the Mr. Ed story. <laughs> so He's we the go drum back. solo. We do go back 
in I think the the scene. No, no, the other the scene later broke me. Uh, we can talk about all of it at once. So, so, so we where, go where back. Are we? Where are we? So, we, like, he's they come to the house. Buzz, the Phoenix come, Buzz and, and they're like, yeah. and they're like, no, go away. So, but Mr. Ed overhears the poetry, and in the poem, Selma says, "Rejected, neglected, befuddled, bemuddled. The moment is wild. We're blown off our course. That's why our youth feels extinct like the horse." Which means that op-ed has had some reach. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Ed overhears. So the next time we smash cut scene, Mr. Ed again, he is wearing. He's painting, for one thing, and he's got a little paintbrush in his mouth, and he has huge comical clown sunglasses that are to scale with his big head. Agreed. Uh, over his eyes, and a wicker, like, floral hat. Yeah, that was the thing that got me about that the beatniks. That kept Phoenix. moving weird. It wasn't attached, or it was a fixed It, it was weird. not attached well, because... Well, that's a, that's its own separate thing, yeah. because they had to fit a hat on a horse. On a horse's head, and also with those, if there were wires, I was like, I don't know, what if they hit in the hat? Um, that's why it, I thought he, they had the bridle on, they had the, the bridle on Mr. Ed, and I thought that bridle was some kind of mount for the hat. Yeah. And then Wilbur takes the hat off, so maybe it was just something they could easily remove. Oh, it, it, like, made me laugh so hard, but the part that broke me was later, when they're... <laughs> Ed goes, he runs away to the beach. Yes, Ed. <laughs> and later when Wilbur comes to find him and he sees a paint, like they, they paint Mr. Ed, they paint a portrait of him and and Wilbur sees the portrait. He's like, oh, that's a, oh, it's a horse. Have you seen? He's like, yeah, he went that away. Cut to Mr. Ed under an umbrella <laughs> with a towel around his back and sunglasses and the hat on. Just chilling on the beach. And it's a fucking Palomino. It's a huge-ass horse. First of all, I was like, how do you not... Like, how is Wilbur not sure where he is? <laughs> how do you go to the beach and you miss the horse sunbathing <laughs> in sunglasses? Well, here's the other thing that, that, that got me about the, the beatniks was the dress of the beatniks... It's all over the place. You, you, like, th there's that... Like stereotypical beatnik thing that shows up in cartoons, where it's yeah. like black clothes, beret, beret turtleneck. These are these beatniks were wearing straw hats. Yeah, like cut up them, jeans. Some of them were very like the big flowers on them, yeah. which I was surprised with, and just loud print shirts. And they were all they were all wearing like jeans that had been cut off right below the knee because you can't show knees. They showed knees. Uh, yeah, they showed Connie's knees. Carol's it was knees. um. So I also wanted to talk about, so like, Ed runs away to the beach, he hangs out with them, doesn't talk to them, uh, they have a stage for him to stand and whatnot. Wilbur was, thought he had a buyer for the beachfront property, yes. so Addison was like, great, we'll keep the kids on the beach, we'll let them stay there until this place, until the, the, we close the deal. And suddenly, Wilbur comes in and he's like, well, I'm sorry, Addison. I keep saying Addison, his name's Roger, Addison's his damn last name. Everyone calls him that. And says... Sorry, the deal went through because of these kids on the beach. And Addison is just Which like... Which is his greatest fear. Yeah. It's not what he wants. These kids. And it, this is at a scene where he's just kind of coming around to the kids. Yeah, because him and his wife had this long talk. And he's like, yeah, I was a kid too. Remember how we used to sit around the campfire, our whole gang, trying to solve the world's problems? And her nickname, by the way, was Legs. Yeah, and I Legs McCarthy. Legs McCarthy. <laughs> and I noticed that when she said that, she brought her legs up on the couch. Oh yeah, it was she, pretty she, frisky. Her legs are and not, pretty um, nice. So this is so he was born in 1900, right? Mm. Addison. If he's yeah. 60, he's he a 62. 1896. Yeah. So like, so, so when he was, so I mean, I guess World War One. They were on the beach of the ukulele, like talking about World War One, probably right. <laughs> talking about World War One. <laughs> That's oh god. Um, so then, when they get to the beach, I wrote like it. They are all, all of them. Everyone's clothing on the beach made me so uncomfortable because they were like fucking. Addison was there in a fucking full suit on the beach. Wilbur was wearing a sweater and a sh like. I'm like, I, ah, sand, like, I love the beach, obviously. Sand is annoying, and I cannot imagine, like, wearing a full suit to the beach. The mess. The mess, like, get, and the yeah. fact that all those beachcombers were there wearing, like, je like, jeans on the beach. That is, 
No, that's a no-go. I wear, I wear jeans on the beach. I'm, I can't, not, I'm not a beach person. Ugh, ugh, I can't handle ugh. I can't handle any like heavy clothing on the beach. Like, oh, like a denim. Like, no. <laughs> that's not... But I guess like if this is April, like it's probably a spring. That's why it's probably Los Angeles. Probably like a year-round beach. I don't know. I only go to the beach in the summer when you're, it's like hot. And so, yeah. of course, you would not wear a full like wool sweater. And it didn't look like they were, the beach was full of of people it was a pretty bare beach it was a bare beach because mr ed had plenty of room to spread out granted it was private property yeah that was that was established now fun fun fact uh okay to get back to the plot um so addison and wilbur go down there and they're ready to bust some heads and suddenly they get there and not only are these beatniks there having a little art show but there are members of the press and there are yeah. art patrons buying these things. And uh, a photographer reporter runs up and says, hey, are you guy the guy that uh, owns this property? You're doing great stuff for the youth. Yeah. You know, keeping these kids off the streets. You know, what, what are they sure. going to do? Write poems on the streets? Great. Yeah, all these white suburban kids really <laughs> having it hard in the early 60s. So what I... What I, I I knew that guy looked familiar. The... Oh. Uh, the, uh, the um, the newspaper guy? The newspaper guy. And turns out he is just one of those, he was one of those did everything yeah. kind of guys until he hit the Waltons in the 1970s and did 172 episodes of the Waltons as the, as the storekeeper. Ah. So it's kind of like this guy, you know. He finally struck gold. Yeah, he was doing, you know, regular old jobs, an episode here, a yeah. short run there, and then hit it big. 172 episodes they of the They should have made him... Because, again, we get no uh, resolution to this op-ed. Well, okay, we kind of do. Because Wilbur goes over and finds Ed. Ed is depressed on the beach, lounging, wallowing in an existential crisis. And Wilbur, like, says... I'm extinct, Wilbur. Useless. Ed, remember this. Anyone who is loved is never useless. Well, then you really love me, huh? Well, of course I... Ed, you're like my own kid. And then Ed looks at... <laughs> Ed looks at Wilbur and he says... <laughs> then take me home, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> then take me home, Daddy. <laughs> Which, okay, also earlier, like just in general... When 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 Wilbur's in his first like when he's painting and first dressed as a beatnik and Wilbur comes in and finds him, Wilbur says, "Okay, hey, let's like get your mind off of this. Let's go for a ride." And that's when it hit me as like, Wilbur rides Ed, which is so weird to me. He owns him. He owns Ed. He rides Ed. Like I cannot imagine like riding a friend. I feel like as soon as that horse starts. As soon as you realize this horse is sentient and talks to me and has age, like agency in life, I would be like, well, I'm not riding you anymore. This yeah. is weird. Well, think of the the alternative. You have this immensely powerful beast of the field that is just cooped up in this little apartment. You gotta get him out. You gotta, he's gotta do something. So you either ride him or you... I would be like, I, he would, at that point, if we're keeping it a secret, okay, if we're keeping it a secret, he would then become like my niece's horse. Like, I would... I would not ride him. I would be like, hey, wife, do you want to go ride? I don't know. I don't... It's weird because, like, we see this all the time. Like, Avatar The Last Airbender, they have Appa. And Appa is a character on the show. Oh, yeah. Appa's a great character. Appa's but also, character. Appa doesn't talk. And it's the talking thing that is what weirds me out. It's like, I, like, oh, I see this is like, Falcor in The NeverEnding Story does talk. Ah, and that's there cool. you go. So, But I'm still like, but... Wilbur and Ed seem to be intellectual equals. <laughs> okay. You know, I, we're, like, they seem to be, like, buds. If, oh, if would I was would writing... Wayne ride Garth, like? <laughs> <laughs> if I was writing, like, a young adult fantasy novel, there is a, a very good chance that I would have a talking horse. Yeah. Just to have just some, like, an extra character need, yeah. to, to mix things up with. Is it is it there's their relationship is very would it well, be would it be the same as like a friend with a car, like talking car? No, just a friend that owns a car, and you're like, hey, I need I need to borrow your car. I don't drive. Can you drive me to like Target? Can you drive me to Joanne Fabrics? 
And then you, you, your friend the, is basically the talking horse. Yeah, but I feel, I think that it's the thing. The writing? It's, yeah, it's, it's physically Al Wilbur putting himself on top of his friend to then trot around is what. But we've already established that, that Mr. Ed's into this. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Take um, me home, daddy. Take me home, daddy. So that's the, like the resolution to Ed's... <laughs> I would love a completely out of context T-shirt that just has a horse's head that just says "Take me home, Daddy." Well, he has to have the sunglasses. And no, the no, flower just hat. just a horse. See, I need to. This is. I need to get the must-have scene TV shop going because that's the thing I could do. Just a horse. I think that the sunglasses would ruin the the, the, the absurdity of just a horse that says "Take me home, Daddy." Ah, uh, it's so. That's the plot. The plot resolves because Wilbur loves Ed. Yeah, and that's it, and that's. The Mr. Ed scenes were the least interesting. The more, the more surreal. Like, how, yeah, because how he put a, what? How did he put a hat on his head? He's got well, no who damn. Who put hands. the umbrella in the ground for him? Well, he's got friends. Exactly, now. but it's like, so Ed is not talking to the beatniks. So are they like, hey, buddy, do you want to do you want to lounge? Yeah, he's just. <laughs> See, I thought he was going. I really thought he was going to. They're going to make more of him joining this beat. I know. Thing. I wanted to see him surfing. Like that's what I really. Yeah. I thought I was going to get. I feel like I have a vision of Mister Ed and the surfboard, which is what I need. Really similar to how like Joker and Batman surfed. Like that same <laughs> like, it's stationary. And there's like a rear projection of waves behind them. Oh. So instead, what we got was Mister Ed with a tacky mini pearl hat. And over over oversized novelty sunglasses. Yeah. And he says some some really lousy poetry. Very bad. Uh, I don't know how many beat poems really rhymed, but there were a, all the poems in this episode rhymed. Were they rhymers? Um, I ready for some must-have facts. Yeah. People yakety yak the streak and waste your time a day, but Mister Ed will never speak unless he has something to say. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and this one will talk to his voice is horse. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. I am Mr. Ed. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, ratings, we will never know. The world will never know. Because Mr. Ed was never a top 30 show. It was not a hit in that way. It might have become a rerun hit similar to Brady Bunch. Which I could see. I could see where Mr. Ed would become like a hit with kids of all ages. Up to our generation. It was syndicated, so they anyone could just kind of like throw the money in the machine and get Mr. Ed episodes. <laughs> so, for, for the 1961-62 to 62 TV season... Uh, the top five shows of that season were number five, Perry Mason, four, Hazel, oh. three, Gunsmoke, two, Bonanza, and one, Wagon Train. Westerns so, were big. Yeah, that's a fucking Western. And Mr. Ed is a horse. You'd think he would have been in top 30. Yeah. Ren did run at the same time as Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, though. Oh, see, this would have been a great crossover episode. Yeah. Although, I don't know, Dobie Gillis was not set near a beach, was it? I don't no. think so. No. I, don't think, I think they were both set in California, though. So, um, 31 users on IMDb ranked this episode an 8.1. So Solid. So, I mean, lower. I don't even know. Again, I haven't seen many... I've seen a bunch of Mr. Ed episodes, but it's we're talking like 30 years ago at this point. Yeah. 25 years ago. 
So I'm my frame of reference. I cannot imagine this is one of the best episodes of Mr. Ed. Well, they go on location somewhere. It doesn't just hang around the house. That is cool. Seeing that a horse cool. on a beach, seeing Bamboo Harvester on the beach was very nice. Yeah. Like that. Um, I'm thinking like better Mr. Ed episodes. I feel like there's probably a poker episode, like a Mr. Ed poker episode could be fun. Uh, there's the one where he dresses up like a clown and kills all the kids and puts them underneath the uh, crawl space of his house. Right. Oh, sorry. That was John Wayne Gacy. Uh, <laughs> get a, I always get the two confused. <laughs> Um, uh, so the horse's name, of course, is Bamboo Harvester, which I made sure to write down because I wanted to mention that because I love the name Bamboo Harvester. That's a good, that has to be a band name now, right? Or an improv team now. Oh. Okay. We need to form an improv team called Bamboo Harvester. Just for the name. Just um, to lock it down. <clears throat> so Mr. Ed aired at 6.30 on Sundays, which is very odd to me. Especially because like 8 o'clock is the primetime hour. So, the, so back in 1962, there was an hour and a half of programming before primetime even started. Uh, but the Sunday Night lineup is kind of a murderer's row of early 60s shit. So it's um, Mr. Ed at 6.30, followed by Dennis the Menace. Ooh. And then the Ed Sullivan Show, then General Electric Theater, the Jack Benny Program, Candid Camera, and What's My Line. So, like, fun for the whole family on yeah. Sundays in 1962. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, the last thing I have was the Satanic Messages. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Mr. Ed for all your Satanic message needs. I don't know much other trivia about it. Um... Bamboo Harvester. There are multiple accounts of how Bamboo Harvester died. Yeah, there's, that's another thing. Like you can tell, he's a he's the center of a lot of controversy, like mystery. Now, some people say <clears> he was accidentally euthanized acc- or no, accidentally killed, a- accidentally over tranquilized. Um, <laughs> horse overdose. Horse no. overdose. Hey, you know, wild times, mm. hard living. Other people say that he was sick and was put down. Other people say he was injured and then put down. Yeah. But he he definitely outlasted the show. Yeah, he died well after the show. Yeah, and and from what I gather, um, Alan Young still visited him. Still visited the horse. It's so sweet. (laughs) But again, like I mean, honestly, like I love the way I love animals. I feel like if I did Mister Ed and I was saw this horse. I would visit that horse probably. Oh yeah, How I many, definitely would. What the was it? Who was it that that worked with an animal on set and then just adopted the animal? That, that happens quite a bit. Uh oh, was it Chris I Evans or something. Like that? No, but I think that I'm trying to think of Moose's son on Frasier ended up living with like Perry Gilpin or someone. I think that that might have had like that one of like Moose's Nunzo or whatever his son's name was like ended up living with one. The Frasier actors are all very. Uh, I mean, I won't say incestuous, but that's not what I mean. They're all very close friends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they all, like... Now, there's a difference there, there Brett. I, I, uh... Uh, no, they're all very, like... They're all, like, the godparents of each other's children or, like, mar- like officiated yeah. the weddings or, like, are their neighbors. Like, they're all very close. And so I think that that might be. Uh, who who had the must-see performance in this episode? You know what's really weird? I gotta say, the must-see performance was um Roger Addison. Mm. This was a, this was a, a Roger Addison 66-year-old man driven episode because you saw him care about a lot of things. Mm. Oh yeah, he had an arc. You sh- you saw him angry, you saw him tender, you saw him as a good husband, you saw as someone who at the end, hey, we didn't even say at the end that since the press is involved and excited yeah. about this, he changes his tune. He's like, well, it's very important that, that kids have a place to go. I am going to turn this into a place for kids. And those beatniks are in every episode from now on out. Not <laughs> what if. So I think this is definitely his episode. Yeah. Because Wilbur, Wilbur is very ineffective. Mr. Ed is boring. <laughs> Connie doesn't oh. show. I mean, uh, Carol. I keep calling her Connie yeah, uh, she's not even in it. Um, see, I'm torn between Wilbur and Mr. Ed, honestly. Uh, I, so I will say that uh, Wilbur is adorable. I would watch all of Mr. Ed just because he's so cute. Um, but I'll go with Mr. Ed because he broke my mind <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm still thinking about that stupid horse on the beach. 
with a towel and it just like like and that's you know that is that is barb bamboo harvester doing his job <laughs> he like he walked up on that platform well he is a utility he, player. Yeah, he, you know, you know, he's a good little horse. He's a working man. He's... I think this is the second episode almost in a row where I've picked the animal as the must-see. I also have to give a shout-out to uh, to Kay Addison. Uh, she was good. The actress's name was, oh, let me find out, uh, Edna Skinner. Mm-hmm. She did a very good job of being being in control of the house, but not being shrill and not being character of overbearing wife yeah she she felt a lot more three-dimensional than that character probably would have been she was very understanding with the with the beatnik kids she was very sympathetic she took in the art um very into the art very into the art and i thought the art was great yeah so and i gotta say that she (laughs) she held her own in a relationship that was put together by TV writer, TV in the, casting. In 1962. Uh, 19, uh, a 66-year-old marrying a 42-year-old. <laughs> uh, must other people see this episode? Yeah. I feel like there's probably a better Mr. Ed episode. One that features Mr. Ed more. But, but you know... He, he doesn't say, take me home, daddy. He doesn't say... <laughs> Is that the last line of the episode? Is him take saying, take me home, daddy? daddy? Like, golly day. So, yeah. I mean, like, track it down. It is on Hulu. Surprise. The first two seasons of Mr. Ed are on Hulu. Which bums me out because the Christmas episode is the thing in season three. So. I gotta see how many ep- how many seasons did that show go? It five. Went, I think it went five. I think. Went, no. It went at least six. Oh, God. Let's move on to our final segment. From the great TV sitcom book by Rick Mitz. I keep plugging in this. It's got Bob Denver on the cover. Yeah, this is, again, my big uh, textbook size book of sitcoms from 1983, written by Rick Mitz. It's basically an encyclopedia, but it's written with a little snarky personality, so it's not exactly an encyclopedia. And it has cataloged within it sitcoms from 1949 to 1983, uh, including a whole bunch of shows that only lasted for a couple of episodes. Nice. Which is why we do this. So whenever, uh, just tell me when to stop, and then I will pick, we'll pick an episode, show to talk about from that page. All right. Stop. Okay, so we are in mod, so I'll go to 1972-1973. Do you want to talk about Anna and the King, or... The Little People slash The Brian Keith Show. Oh, I'm interested in The Little People and The Brian Keith. Yeah, I, like Brian, I like Brian Keith. Oh, yeah, Brian Keith. That Brian Keith. From yeah, Family from, Fair. Okay. From Parent Trap. Buckle up. This one's a little bit long. This one started life under the title The Little People and was another of those heartwarming comedies about a father and daughter team of pediatricians who ran a free clinic as well as private practice on the side on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. The Jamesons as Dr. Sean Brian Keith and Dr. Anne Shelley Faberis. Shelley Fabrice. Whoa! <laughs> and get another sitcom comeback back. That's crazy. Weird. Yeah. Uh, we're called. Uh, had only great concern for little people, and the show was sort of a cross between Family Affair and Hawaii Five O. The former also starring Keith. Oh, by little people they mean children. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Because they're pediatricians. This is less interesting, but somehow more interesting. <laughs> um, a Dr. Austin Chafee, a proper physician played by Roger Bowen, shared the office space with Keith. Chafee's formality and Jameson's informality created many conflicts. And, well, you know the rest by heart. Then there was wealthy widow Mrs. Gruber, played by Nancy Culp, alumni of Love That Bob and Beverly Hillbillies, Mrs. Jane, who on this show had gotten as far as having once been married. Uh, who provided problems for the doctor and his daughter. The show ran two seasons on NBC before it was sued for malpractice. So. <laughs> well, wow. how about that? And I guess it changed its name halfway through. That's crazy. It's always crazy when a show does that. Uh, <laughs> would you watch that show? So it's a, two pediatri- it's a father and daughter pediatrician team on Hawaii. That's it. No. I would not watch this show. This, this is not. Like, uh, Brian Keith is fun to watch. I like, yeah. I like him from, from his Disney work. Um, fun, uh, fun fact, Nancy Culp also was in the Aristocats, a Disney film. Ah. Uh, but it, I deal with pediatricians pretty frequently in my job, and while some of them have fun personality quirks, I don't find necessarily <laughs> their day-to-day 
that yeah this is a uh, amazing this is a show cashing in on kids say the darndest things like it's just like in terms of just like kids are coming in and the title of it again is the little people slash the brian keith show so this this actually makes it a little a little sadder because if this is the brian keith show this is his only chance at his own show, yeah. and he's saddled with pediatrician gags. If it's even a comedy, like, is is it a comedy? Yeah, yeah, it's a sitcom. Who knows? I mean, obviously not that funny or that good. The show was a cross between Family Affair and Hawaii Five O. Hmm. So I'm thinking that, like, this was his... He, you know, he, he comes home and he's like, guess what? They're putting my name on the title. Finally, it's after gonna... a season of The Little People. Who cares about those little people? This is Brian Keith's time to shine. My time. This is it. And, you know, he's he's kind of stuck with... He's stuck with a borrowed premise. This yeah. Is... Family Affair should have been called The Brian Keith Show. If any show is going to be called The Brian Keith Show, you would name Family Affair The Brian Keith Show. Now, this is a question for you, Brett. <laughs> Wasn't the, the kid from Family Affair also in A Talking Cat? I don't know, because I think they all died. All the kids from Family Affair, like, the, I think the whole thing about TV, like, sitcom kids having, meeting horrible ends, I think comes from Family Affair being considered cursed because, like, the daughter and the son, I think, both died fairly, fairly tragically. Fairly tragically? Um, I, th- nope. Uh, Was one of them in a talking cat? Uh, I'm just checking, checking, you can edit this out. Uh, yes, actually, the main character in, uh, A Talking Cat, the talking, amazingly awful talking cat film, uh, played, uh, Jodie Patterson. Whoa, Jodie lived! Jodie lived, and so it all comes back, just, and it really is, it's just funny because we were talking about Talking Cat. Yeah! Like an hour ago before, (laughs) before we watched, uh, Mr. Ed. A lot of talking animals today. That's also, true. yeah, the family affair. Now here's a, here's another fun fact: animals don't talk. No, they don't. Um, uh, they they shout. <laughs> <laughs> animals don't talk; they listen. Like <laughs> <laughs> better, uh, better seen and petted, not heard. <laughs> written hard. <laughs> Put away wet. I'm sorry. Take me home, daddy. I'll take me home, daddy. I hate myself for going there. Uh, where can people <laughs> find you? On the internet, if they want to talk about talking cats or talking horses, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan K or at tw- uh, this week's Batman, where I give a rundown of Batman spoilers, which I make up. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers from a uh, alternate universe. Yes, where yeah. Batman does things like go to open mics and ruin them with bad poetry. That's what I want. That's what I want. DC. Give me a call. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> and that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Ethan Kay, for dropping by and talking about Mr. Ed with me this week. Next week on the show, I will be discussing the Mary episode, Everyone's a Critic. And that is Mary Tyler Moore's 1985 show, not her 70s show. Uh, That is the fourth episode of that show, which only lasted for half a season. But you're all in luck because you can stream this very low-quality and lost Mary episode on YouTube. And when I say low-quality, I mean low-video quality. As you'll find out next week, spoiler alert, it's pretty high-quality content-wise. Until then, I want to hear from all of y'all. Tweet your questions about sitcoms to at musthaveseentv or send them to musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, please, please, please rate and review Must Have Seen TV in iTunes. And if you write a review in iTunes and request an episode of television from the 20th century for me to watch, that we haven't already done and that I can actually like buy or stream somewhere, we will watch it. That is how you can request. So go on and write a review and request a show if there's something you want me to do. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. You can read the words that I write at Decider.com. The theme song is Patricia's Moving Picture by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening, and I'll see you next week on Must Have Seen TV. Hey. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.